Live from Nashville, Tennessee, it's Dawn and Steve in the morning. Good morning from Moody Radio. Later this hour, ever thought productivity could be classified as a religion? Well, Jen Pollock-Michelle is going to unpack why. But first, let's start the day the best way with God's word this morning. A reminder, text Devo to 800-555-7898 to get your hands on that devotional. Mm -hmm. Well, we want to make sure that you are able to get a copy of this morning's devotional. And so that is one way to do that. Also, our Facebook page is another. But that's an interesting question. Ever think about classifying productivity (laughs) as something that almost could become an idol? In our, in our lives as religion. And uh, yeah, I can think of a couple people who I could potentially see yeah. w- might struggle with that. Really? Yeah. What does it look like? <laughs> I, I can, can see you... that as an actual honest question. It, it <laughs> is. It is. I, I need to know. Maybe it's me. Are you talking about me? Are you talking about me? I am not talking about you. Excellent. Okay. But okay. I do know some people who are so goal-oriented, who uh... are so task whatever. I'm like, man, I need to be efficient. I need to be productive. I need to get this cranked out. If anything interrupts that, then we got a problem. Yeah, well, we're going to uh, spend I some time. I may know somebody like that. You know somebody kind of like that? <laughs> Maybe I do now that you describe it. Huh. Let's see. Whose picture is next to that? Yours or mine? <laughs> I I don't know. That's a good question. I'm giving you That's opportunity a... <laughs> to claim it, friend. Well, between the two of us? Yeah, yeah. Between the two of us, I know which one of us is going to uh, lean that direction more than the other. Oh, for and sure. And my hand is up in the air right now. <laughs> and yes. mine is not. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We got this moment. We'll get it done. Yeah. It's yeah. more my thing. It's yeah. more my jam. <laughs> <laughs> well, having faith that, um, well, where we put our faith and having faith is uh, an important thing. We're going to get to that in this morning's devotional in just a moment. But how, how since I saw you yesterday, how's the day been? Any, anything uh, exciting <laughs> happened yesterday? <laughs> uh, I laugh. Uh Speaking of busyness and trying to get things done, that was kind of yesterday uh, for sure. But I will say I'm really thankful that all three of us are present and accounted for this morning after my driving yesterday. Oh, when you almost killed us? Yeah. I'm really, really thankful. (laughs) And isn't that the first thing I said when we got through that little moment? We're thankful too. Yes. (laughs) And and that was the first thing I asked you guys. Hey, aren't y'all glad that 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 accident didn't happen? I was very glad. That would have been a little embarrassing. It would have been. It was an English roundabout, right? It it was, which would be the first confusion. I'm telling you, (laughs) roundabouts are just nothing but trouble around here. I like roundabouts. I really can embrace these. I like the concept of roundabouts, Uh but people need to, that needs to be a part of driver's ed. Okay. Or or else we have so many issues and struggles and problems with roundabouts. I think that's true because if you weren't taught, but I I don't generally have a problem with roundabouts, but yesterday I clearly did, but it wasn't the roundabout's fault. No? No. That was totally on me. I did not see that Mercedes SUV. I'm pretty sure it had something to say back to me because I didn't see it. Technically, you're in the wrong lane, but we won't comment on that. I was not. Yes, you were. Because you're in the right-hand side lane, but you're going three junctions. You were going around to the left. You should be on the inside lane. I didn't want to be in the inside lane because but, I was getting ready to take the turn. Yeah, but you were turning to, because there were four exits. You were in the fourth one, and you were going in, out of the third one. So you should be on the inside of the roundabout going, if you're coming three round. If you're going two round, then you go str- on the right-hand side straight over. So driver's ed might be a good idea. I think <laughs> driver's ed would be a really good idea because if you're in the inside lane, then at some point in time, you if you're going to take that third exit, you have to cross. You have to get but, into 
the outside true. lane, which right? is where. But it wouldn't have mattered for the sake of what I almost did. It wouldn't have mattered which lane I was in because I it, I was true. pulling out. That's true. So I didn't <laughs> see the car. So yeah. whichever lane I was in, I was right by the way. Whichever <laughs> lane I was yeah. in, it, it, I I almost hit that car just because I did not see it. Thankfully, yeah. because we were going into a roundabout, I wasn't going super fast. Thankfully, so I was able mm-hmm. to hit the brakes and just wave at the driver and say so sorry and then say how thankful i was that i didn't injure either of you nor did i crash ben's van i thought that was a that's win, a win all the way around. and i just said thank you lord <laughs> that that yeah that was a moment i but you've ridden with me before i haven't had that problem before no right normally it's hey weren't we supposed to turn Right there. Oh well, we had a couple of those yesterday <laughs> too. But I'm just, uh, and w- the worst one was last night as I was trying to get to rehearsal. Uh, there's a turn lane, and there's only like one, and I missed it. And unfortunately, that meant I sat for minutes and minutes trying to get across busy traffic. I was like, really? You cannot miss your turns. You've got to stop that. It's a bad habit, Don. Really bad yeah. habit. <laughs> Somebody needs to write a book about don't miss your turn. Okay, you're welcome. Just give, just put a little credit in there. You Don Ray Bay gave quickly. me the, Yeah. <laughs> well, we do want to look at scripture because that's going to get us a reset for the morning as we head to Romans and look at whether or not we're trying to justify our lack mm. of faith. Yeah. Are you justifying your lack of faith? Let's find out, Steve Hiller. Well, Romans 14, 23 is where we're going to start. And it says, but he who doubts is condemned if he he, if he eats, because he does not eat from faith. For whatever is not from faith is sin. All right, so what's all that about? <laughs> well, think about the writer of Hebrews for just a moment. He reminds us that without faith, it is impossible to please God. That's Hebrews eleven six. Whenever God reveals something, he expects us to believe him and to adjust our lives accordingly. So then what does that mean? Well, it means that we trust God implicitly for all our needs because he says that he's going to provide. It's Philippians 4.19. It means that we approach crises with the same assurance that God will bring good from them. Romans 8.28. It means we overcome anxiety during stressful situations because God instructs us to bring our requests to him. Philippians 4.6. It means that we never worry that we're alone because God said he would never leave us. He would never forsake us, Deuteronomy 31.6. It means that despite whatever happens in our lives, we will never doubt because God and his love is forever. He told us that he loves us with an everlasting love, Jeremiah 31.3. But at times, we try to justify our lack of faith. We know what God has promised, but we doubt that he will make a practical difference in our life. We're filled with anxiety and excuse. We excuse ourselves by saying, you know, it's just the way I'm wired. I'm just a warrior. We become bitter during a crisis. And the reason is because we don't see how God could bring anything good out of this pain. We appeal for help from everyone around us when we have a need. And then we explain, well, I know that God can provide for all my needs, but I I think I should do everything I can do just in case. God calls this faithlessness. And he says faithlessness is sin. 
Back to Hebrews 11, 6. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. If you want a copy of this morning's devotional, you'll find this linked at our Facebook page on Facebook. It is Don and Steve in the morning. Or text the word Devo, D-E-V-O, to 800-555-7898. Thanks for listening to Dawn and Steve in the morning. On YouTube today, TikTok sensations Tiana and Scarlett Hanaline. Click the bell and subscribe at youtube.com dot com not dot corn forward slash at dawn and steve to be reminded each time a new video drops and this video will be on there later of our guest jen pollock michelle well we're looking forward to this conversation here jen has written a book in good time and this is one that uh, i need to spend a little time with here because we're going to spend <laughs> a few minutes talking about productivity that's certainly something that uh, i kind of wrestle with and struggle with on a daily basis. So Jen, good morning. Glad to have you with us. Good morning. Yeah. Thanks so much. It's great to be here. You know, a lot of us love routine. Uh, If it wasn't for routine and the structure of my life and the routine and, you know, a lot of the productivity and things that I feel like I need to get done, wouldn't get done. But we had this big thing a couple of years ago that flipped uh, a lot of our schedules (laughs) and routine and all of that on its head. Um, You know, do you think COVID exposed (laughs) For those of us who love routine and productivity, expose something kind of in our greater culture, not to mention maybe some of us as individuals. I mean, I know for sure it did for me. So I think that my experience is probably not all that unique, that all of a sudden we're dumped into a life that we don't recognize and we can't get things done in the way that we're used to getting things done. And I I think previous to the pandemic would have thought busyness is really my biggest problem in time. Um, if I could only just be less busy, then things would be great. And then suddenly I am less busy and I'm not feeling great. And what I, the first thing I reach for is to just try to get more things done. And that's what we saw early in the pandemic. People just saying, now's the time to get other kinds of things done. And I was doing all of that, you know, all of the busyness at home that I could sort of engage in. And it really wasn't solving anything. And that's really, for me, was kind of the clue to there's something to examine here. Mm-hmm. Uh, you said the first thing that you reached for, and I was like, macaroni and cheese? That's the first thing <laughs> yeah, I reached for. <laughs> when it came to the pandemic, I, that's all I wanted was the comfort. So if you're one of those that is a productivity-geared person, I'm just wondering if if you were feeling the need to fill that time with the busyness when I was feeling the need to fill it with macaroni and cheese. It's kind of the same yeah. thing, really. <laughs> I mean, we it's interesting. I mean, there was a way that all of us were reaching for something just to kind of feel oriented in the world. Like, this is a world I don't recognize. So what are the familiar things that will make me feel kind of right side up when everything is upside down? Mm-hmm. And for some people, that was PJs and mac and cheese. And for other people, it was cleaning out our closets. Yeah. <laughs> You use uh, a term that I want to spend a little time just kind of exploring this time anxiety. Mm-hmm. What, what do you uh, call time anxiety? Yeah, I mean, I think there are a lot of different forms of time anxiety. Um, I think one of the ones that we've already been talking about is this anxiety of, oh my goodness, there's so much to get done. How am I going to get it all done? I'm overwhelmed. My list is too long. The hours are too scarce, you know? So I think that's a very familiar kind of time anxiety. And it's interesting. You see it across demographics. You don't, it's not just, you know, certain age people feel, you know, anxious about that. All kinds of people, even retirees feel 
like there's so much to get done. I think time anxiety is also something we see when we just think about different kinds of time. Like when we think about the past, there's an anxiety of, oh, these things have happened. I can't change them. My regrets, my sins, my mistakes, my failures, those missed opportunities. And now I feel anxious that the past is always going to determine a certain version of the future. And I think we all are very familiar with anxieties related to the future. You know, this idea of like, I can't control what's coming tomorrow. I am so anxious that, you know, tomorrow's not going to turn out the way that I want. And I, I want to manage certain outcomes and I have to control, you know, time. And so I think these are forms of anxiety that I think a lot of people would be familiar with. Mm -hmm. I, I do think that all of us are going, oh, no, that part, that's me. <laughs> and that part, that's me. So it, it may not be a blanket covering that we're embracing all of this, but we certainly can identify our own things that trip us up. And yet you say that as Christians, we should have a different view of time mm -hmm. and how we are to steward it for kind of lack of a better term. We're going to come back and talk about that. Jen Pollock-Michelle with us right now. Let's listen in to Cody Carnes as he reminds us that ain't nobody, and we're going to find out exactly how we should be looking at this biblically in just moments. It's Don and Steve in the morning, Moody Radio. Thanks for listening to Dawn and Steve in the morning. We're glad you're here. Call or text us on 800-555-7898 and join the conversation. Yes, and the conversation is with Jen Pollock-Michelle about the new book, In Good Time. And just breaking this down a little bit, Jen, because I, now would you call yourself a, a junkie when it comes to time management <laughs> books and productivity? I know you're an avid reader of those kinds of resources, but, uh, you know, we can binge on all kinds of things. But we want to answer the question as Christ followers, how mm. do we take habits that help us focus on what God wants us to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I have been a reader of time management books for about 30 years. And someone has said that's kind of indulging the fantasy that time <laughs> can be managed, you know, or controlled. <laughs> and I think there really is this kind of um, undercurrent of control in time management. On the one hand, I feel that I did learn some really great strategies, you know, to just kind of get like just do the normal task of adult life, meet deadlines, keep lists, you know, figure out how to like get the kids here and there and get work done and that kind of stuff. And so I'm thankful on the one hand for some of the strategies that I learned, but on the other, I think that strategies can only take you so far. And what's really lacking, there are just some things that are lacking in time management. Number one, just the what for, like the real purpose of getting things done. You know, there's this kind of idea in time management. If you get things done, it's a good. And nobody really sort of questions, like, how do you know if you're getting the right things done? How do you know if you're getting, if you're leaving undone, what should be left undone? The other thing about time management is it's often about um, just the individual. It doesn't really sort of assume a kind of greater belonging in community, which is, of course, like as Christians, we know that we flourish in communities and that we don't just get things done on our own. And that there, we also accept that we're human beings. And there are seasons of life where we just don't get things done in the way that we're used to because we're sick, because we're grieving, because we're caring for someone else. And so those are some of the assumptions that I want to challenge. And I want to invite people into a different kind of visioning of the flourishing human life. Hmm. I, I love the fact that 
you're beginning with questions along those lines. And speaking of beginning, that is one of the things that you talk about uh-huh. in there, these eight habits is, is the habit of begin. So uh, I, I, <laughs> I would love to know what you mean by that, because I think of some of the people I know, and they're really good at beginning. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but not necessarily good about managing Finishing. and completing. And, exactly. And so, as we talk about begin, <laughs> as we talk about begin, what, what do you mean? Yeah. What I'm asking people to think about is not their own energy to begin, but God's, to actually think of God as the great beginner. This is really a chapter about hope. And it's speaking into the time anxiety related to the past that, you know, there are things that are foreclosed for me because I made that mistake or I missed that opportunity or I fell into that sin. And I think begin reminds us that we um, don't really begin anything. We actually just try trust in God, the beginner. And whatever we begin is actually by his grace and with his strength. And so that's just, I want orient to orient people to that act of faith, which is look up, look up, look up to the God who begins and not who not only begins, but completes all the work that he begins. And so I think there's a real hope in that. Jen, as you talk about the things we should be doing, we shouldn't be doing the things that can be left undone. And yet there's this angst at us thinking, no, 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 no. That is the one thing I had to get done today. And now it's not. And I've got to sleep and it might keep me up at night because I didn't get it done. How can we discern what is important to the Lord and what he wants us to do and not just our to-do list? Yeah, I mean, that is probably the biggest question of the Christian life is how do we hear the voice of our good shepherd? And I think in many ways, we just have to stick our nose in the book, you know, in God's book to tell us what are the priorities of the kingdom and what is the pace of the kingdom? You know, I think that there's a way that God's kingdom is moving far more slowly sometimes than we would want or even expect. I was in Matthew chapter one this week, just reading, you know, just back again in the gospels and thinking about this story of generations that God's writing this really long, slow story as it climaxes in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Um, So I think that, you know, a lot of times we have to kind of examine our own urgency. Like, is my urgency really God's urgency? Um, I think we have to also understand that there are times when we're stepping toward the kingdom and it actually does mean you get a little less sleep. I mean, I don't think we should live beyond our human boundaries as a rule, but I think there are seasons of life where you're caring for someone, for example, and you might be up in the middle of the night and you have to trust that that God will give you the strength that you need. And we see that example in Jesus who sleeps and yet often skips meals, you know, to pray and skips entire nights of sleeps, sleep to pray. So I think we're following him. It's a good reminder that as we think about, you know, managing our time and managing what God has entrusted into our care to to look to him as a model, as an example. Um, Mm -hmm. One of the things that I know I've been guilty of, and we'll come back and talk a little bit more about this, is thinking like, man, if God had just given us an extra hour or two in the day, if I just had a little bit more time, then everything would take care of itself. But that's not the way it works. So we're going to uh, come back in just a moment and talk about what do, you, what do you do when you just feel like I need more time and it's not available. We're talking with uh, Jen Pollock-Michelle about eight habits for reimagining productivity, resisting hurry, and practicing peace. If that's the kind of thing that you want to uh, kind of dive into, like I kind of need to, we want to connect you with her. 
our Facebook page, Don and Steve in the Mornings, where you're going to find those links. Putting a different time on things. It's Dawn and Steve in the afternoon. No, it's not. It's Dawn and Steve in the morning. <laughs> well, some Speaking, days I wish. <laughs> uh, I know, right? Wouldn't it be nice if we uh, started the show at like 10 a.m.? I think that'd work. Yeah, I don't think that's going to fly, though. <laughs> well, one of the things that I do sometimes uh, wonder is why can't we have more time? And as we talk with uh, Jen Pollock-Michelle about her book, In Good Time, Jen, what do you say to people like me who said, you know, if I just had another couple hours in the day, this would resolve itself and take care of itself? Well, I'd probably say, gosh, you know, in the beginning of the 20th century, people imagined that we'd have more time than we would know what to do with because of technology, just because of technological progress and improvement. And people actually really worried we'd have too much time and we wouldn't know what to do with it. And we know that that actually hasn't been the case, you know, that even if we kind of, quote unquote, make more time, which technology does do that for us, like it allows us to kind of do more work in shorter amounts of time, we actually just use that more more time for more work. Um, and so that's sort of what I say is like, even if you could materialize more hours in your day, it probably wouldn't solve the ultimate problems that you're feeling in time. Hmm. Uh, so I'm just thinking about uh, time, how we spend it. Yeah. <laughs> and there are times that we do see that we have more bandwidth. So we add something else. Maybe it's a ministry. Maybe it's a hobby. Uh, it could be binge watching something. There, mm-hmm. there are things that maybe we're spending our time doing that are not necessarily super beneficial, but we tell ourselves it's okay because I'm enjoying the journey. And you talk mm. about a habit of enjoying the journey. Is that what you're talking about when we do say things that are just kind of mindless, but they absorb and suck our time? Um, no. <laughs> in short, no. You know, I think that joy is this beautiful theme in the Bible, this idea that as we find like our fullness of joy in Christ and in company with Christ and fellowship and friendship with God, um, like joy is possible and joy is actually promised. But I think we have these really counterfeit um, versions of joy today, this kind of idea that joy is when I like just tune out of the world, you know, release myself of all burdens and cares. And that's like not the joy that is actually um, exemplified for us in Christ, who actually for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. And so there's this real paradox that on the one hand, joy is promised to God's people, but it's not the joy of like just tuning out. You could actually find great joy in taking up a burden for your neighbor and loving God and loving your neighbor as you love God. And so um, I want to call people to the realest, fullest version of joy, not just the net, you know, binge watching Netflix version of joy. Yeah, that's a good, uh, good challenge. I think one of the other uh, challenges is if we do find ourselves having a little bit of margin where maybe we consider adding something to the schedule, maybe we shouldn't. What are, what are the questions that you would encourage us to ask ourselves before we decide, do we take on another thing? Yeah. Well, first of all, I would say, are you considering this new thing on the most ideal day or actually on a really realistic day? Because I think it's easy to add things on when you're like, oh, it was a great day. And, you know, everything fell in perfectly into place. What we need to do is we need to actually exercise discernment in the midst of the hardest week and a busy week and say, okay, do I really have capacity for this new thing? I think I would also ask people to say, do I have regular practice, a regular practice of rest? 
rest in my life. Like, I don't think that Sabbath is necessarily a biblical command. Um, I mean, we have it in the Old Testament. A lot of people would say in the New Testament, Jesus is the fulfillment of the Sabbath. But I think he still says, come to me and rest. And so do you have practices of rest in your life? Sometimes we're afraid of rest. We're afraid of slowing down. And so I want to encourage people before you add something new, do you have any margin in your life to, to rest, to slow down and to practice joy, even as we talked about it, real versions of joy. So many real things are in the book in good time. And we're so thankful, Jen, that you're able to join us. Jen Pollock, Michelle, we will connect you to this because so many good challenges to help us think biblically with the time that God has given us until he calls us home. And that's a very real thing as well. Jen Pollock, Michelle, grateful for your time this morning. And again, you can connect with her on Facebook or you can text us and we can send you the link for more information on this book as well, it's such a good thing to consider because God has given us time.